It is 10, 11 p.m. 13th of April, day, I think, 26th of quarantine, <laughs> I'd say, as it were. Um, I am using this podcast space primarily to, excuse me, be promoting uh, works of public domain literature that otherwise people would not run across, and now we all have more time to read. And I'm linking the Project Gutenberg and Wikisource and other things to the stories so you can read them uh, on your own or separately or download them for your Kindle. So in any case, I hope you enjoy and I am open to recommendations and you can reach me for giving those or the other usual things uh, on Twitter at time of posting. So now tonight's or this afternoon's, or whenever you're listening's bedtime story, uh, is another of the Nachman tales, which you got to be in a particular mode and mindset for. So I'm just going through them. I have all these printed out from December of 2018 when I was doing something alongside... Uh, magical realist novel I've been working on uh, that is about human toxicity and Hollywood and uh, Jewish uh, mysticism, really. The bringing magical realist elements to uh, something that is at the same time very much about uh, Hollywood stuff, and also the hypocrisies of someone, uh, one of the things at the core of Star Material is, and has been from the start, the hypocrisy of someone, uh, who leans on the appearance of their faith, and, uh, culture and stuff and donates a lot to good causes while privately being uh, something less wholesome. And that was an unexpected uh, start to this. So before we get to Nachman, I will just share a quote from a old friend who had heard it from somewhere, but uh, unattributed uh, while he was listening to, or we were discussing the story of mine early on, he said, uh, hypocrisy is the price vice pays to virtue. Which... uh, I'm a big fan of epigraphs, and that one belongs somewhere as a 
statement uh, or uh, what epigraphs are for. It's something to ponder uh, or get people in the mindset of uh, before you start the story. Um, and something just caught my eye on the page in Nachman. So uh, I hope that wherever and whenever you're hearing this, that you are well and safely quarantined. And if you happen to be quarantined in a hotel or motel, uh, feel free to reach into the Bible in your uh, bedside drawer and uh, feel free to follow follow along. Excuse that hiccup there. I am recording this from my phone because my laptop did a glitchy thing and my phone at the moment uh, is and Kanahora will still be working, but, you know, you got to work around technology sometimes. Uh, and the reason for the hiccup was that an alarm went off, one of the many endless alarms, and I've reset the ones for the rest of the night, it being 10.20 p.m., because uh, when the alarm went off or when someone does a phone call, thank God it doesn't lose the recording or if one of those things happens, but it stops it there. So uh, I was just saying if you reach into the bedside drawer, then reach further into the Bible until you get to Psalms, which is uh, 559 in... Uh, the version I have at hand, uh, and we look at Psalm 3, which, because it's a short one, excuse me, whistle, uh, that as I have done with the other Nachmans that I've been recording, I want to demonstrate how weird and how deep they are, because these stories are both of those things extremely, and if you want to look at these directly, the links for them, for the stories themselves on Wikisource, will be attached to uh, the podcast. Uh, And it is Story 7, whose intriguing title is the I want to make sure I have this one right yeah this is the fly and the spider it is a three page yeah it's one line on page four and then a bunch of notes which we'll get into before the story uh for the edification of listeners, and if you've heard some of the earlier ones, I hope uh, I'm getting more concise with this opening, so uh, thank you for bearing with me, anybody who has heard the earlier ones. But if you look at or listen to Psalm 3, this is... A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son, 
which is a thing from the second book of Samuel, the Samuel saga. Uh, I don't know the chapter offhand, but uh, somewhere in the Absalom's rebellion and sending David, uh, his father, who was king in Jerusalem, uh, on the run, where Absalom, incidentally, uh, had the city of Hebron, where David had previously been king for some time uh, before they took Jerusalem. So, which I believe at that point was when the city became Jerusalem from just Salem. So, oh, you know what? That actually fits with something else I've been trying to do. Um, from here to Salem. I had had the idea with Philadelphia, but for what becomes an obvious reason that was not workable. So, cool. Um, Psalm 3. Then, when uh, David fled from Absalom, and the, uh, the particular line that connects with the Nachman story is Psalm 3, line 7. Uh... So right at the end of this eight-verse psalm, which goes, O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God, Salah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. And just off the bat, I think maybe we should look at for the word glory in the tale that I'm going to be reading uh, because of the way Nachman writes. And the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill, Silah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, uh, save me, O my God. Many thousands, excuse me. Uh, This is the line. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Salah. Now, I'm assuming most of the people hearing this, if you are hearing this, uh, that that psalm might not be one you've heard. Usually it's the, uh, the one he 
leadeth me to lie down in green pastures and that the one that's often part of the funeral service but uh this one is somewhat more active and uh the relevant thing from the Nachman story about halfway through uh is it says here and on the mountain's peak is a tablet, and on it were written the mannerisms of the page that shields him, from which nations it is. And nations is an important word, uh, just uh, pointing that out without going into it, because if you have listened to this, a few of them you know, and otherwise it's uh, easy to ask and find out. I need to figure out some way to say that for the other biblical and uh, uh, religious literature things. Just a note for future Adam. Uh, Keep this in mind. There ought to be a simple way to just say that. But since the mountain is high, one cannot read the writing. However, at the bottom was a tablet. Uh, And you may be listening to this from a very different kind of tablet. There uh, are magical, you know, society. Um, Tablet. There it was written that whoever had all his teeth, he can go up on the mountain Hashem yet Barak provided that there grows such a grass there where one needs to go up on the mountain that whoever comes there, all his teeth fall out. Whether he was going by foot, riding, or driving a carriage by animals, always his teeth would fall out. Lying there were piles white with teeth like mountains. So... If you're getting the style, the sense of it, uh, I think this is a good way to be reading them. Uh, If people are listening and interested, uh, because if you're just reading it from the start right away, it sounds like a fairy tale, and it has that cadence of the shaggy dog joke or a successive fairy tale where uh that then he went to a second king and said the same thing that he said to the previous king but added this you know the format uh but there's a footnote um in the wiki source, you can, uh, if possibly you're interested enough to be listening to this and looking at the wiki source, you can see the note there. If you are only listening, uh, for people who do not have me, uh, giving this commentary in the way that it's coming to you, uh, it has the notation, uh, you have broken the teeth of the wicked, 
some uh, 3, 8, which I've corrected because uh, if you happen to look there, I can tell you that is uh, off. I cannot vouch for Barracote 54B because I do not have that one to hand. But above that, in the notes following the story, uh, it has the longer part, which I'm actually going to mark alongside this with the having marked the one in the story. It says, Ki Hakitha Eth Oh, also, I uh, should have said, but I'm about to need to have said, pardon me for uh, pronunciations, because I've been doing this uh, reading independently, and some of the uh, Hebrew, Yiddish, uh, some other languages that pop up in these stories, uh, I might be botching pronunciation. So, forgive me, anybody who knows better. Ki hekitha eth kol oive. Oive? Yes, it does say oive. For real. See? These are the gems. These are the... Where is a different color? Of all things to pop up here. Oy vey. Cool. Eth kol oy vey lechi for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek you have broken the teeth of the wicked for their teeth would fall out when they wanted to go up when they wanted to go up the mountain on the mountain so these I have been reading the full notes before following the story before getting into them on the previous ones, but this has, uh, oh, mother of fuck. Okay. I called it. I called that. Okay. (laughs) The, uh, I said that glory was going to pop up here somewhere because of that being the same psalm. Uh, I did call it on the same tape, and there it is. Uh, Somewhere else here, it is referring to that same psalm, almost definitely. Uh, So, score. Um... The different games we're playing in our quarantine. Boy. So, that right there, I'm not going to read the uh, the Hebrew right now, but the line is, But you, Hashem, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter up of my head, which also might be uh, referential, but I do not know. Uh, 
So by the time we come around to where I'm reading these notes and we'll pick that apart, uh, we're going to know more about mountains and whatever the rationale was for uh, Hashem making a mountain where the grass makes people's teeth fall out. Because the Nachman tales sound like fairy tales, but they're actually, uh, they have elements of what feels deconstructionist of fairy tale conventions, like the the success of King's thing or the uh, the only son of uh, something, but. Uh, all these things are not only literal, like, uh, this thing in one of the stories I have read out where it talks about, uh, like drawing, like hiding in one and then another uh, it just says in a water or in a watery pit. And it says then uh, going and hiding in a mikvah and then so on, so on until they had hidden in all the seven kinds of water, which is something with Nachman. And I am not quite sure... Uh, what that means, but there is a castle made all out of water in one of his other stories. And if you're intrigued, as you should be, uh, I'm going to get to the story and hope you're enjoying and safely quarantined. And if you, uh, if you care to listen, story seven. The Fly and the Spider. He, Rabbi Nachman, announced, I'll tell you my entire trip that I had, and note, uh, it is 1743 right now on this recording, uh, is when I'm starting to read the actual story. If you want to just cut off this first rambly bit and go from at least thus on a later tape. A tale. Oh, and of course there is. There's a important note with the entire trip that I had. This uh, sounds like Tavya a little. Uh, Oi, Mr. Shalom Aleichem, since we last met, you won't believe what happened to me. But, uh, so this is Nachman, uh, his big trip to Navrich, uh, Zaslav, Asta, Dubna, and Brod, uh, see Chaye, Moharan, numbers 160, 157, 68. And a tale. There was once a king who had a number of hard wars up against him. And he conquered them and took many captives. In the midst of his words, as he began telling this story, he interjected and said, you, 
as he began telling this story. All right. More people need to know Nachman. He interjected and said, You might think, mistakenly, that I will tell you everything and that you will be able to understand. The king made a big banquet, a ball, every year on the day when he vanquished the war. There at the ball would be all the royal ministers and all the gentlewomen, as the usual way of kings goes, and comedy shows would be made, and they would make fun of all the nations. And at this point, I'm going to mention as well, because clearly this is... uh, It's been a while since I read this. Like I said earlier, if uh, you're hearing a non-abridged version of this tape, uh, this was, uh, I printed these out and was working on stuff around Nachman on December 14th, 2018. So I've read this, but it's been a while. And this was written in the 1800s, uh, in a different time and place. And from, uh, religious Jewish perspective. So uh, it looks like this is one of the stories that's going to get into stuff with the nations. So, and I mentioned before, nation uh, meaning like uh, non-Jews and the, as people know, the modern or general term goy with the Hebrew uh, plural and the plural suffix im, G-O-Y-I-M, goyim means, or uh, it means the nations. So uh, they would make fun of all the nations. Of the Turk, uh, Hebrew, Ishmaelites, that's interesting. And of all the nations. Uh, And they would imitate every nation in the way that their manner and conduct is. And they probably made fun of Jews as well. Probably. Um. Sorry, I just always have things to make notes of. Because the writing... Hmm... So, uh, Ishmaelites, uh, and probably the Jews as well. The king ordered to bring the book in which the mannerisms and customs of every nation are recorded. And whenever the king would open up the book, uh, and I'm pretty sure that that doesn't just mean a physical book. This is the thing, is that it sounds like a fairy tale opening, like the king said, bring me the strongest knights in my kingdom and something and something and my jester for my amusement or something. I think the book is something symbolic. So heads up and a thought for uh, any of you. And if you have a thought of what the book might be, Twitter, Twitter, Hit me up at time of posting. We'll be 
interested to know your thought on it. So the king would open up the book. He would see Hebrew only uh, that written in it were the practices and mannerisms of the nation exactly as they performed the parody of them because probably the one who performed the comedy also saw the book. Okay. While the king was poring over the book, he saw a spider crawling on the edge of the book's pages, and on the pages stood a fly. Presumably, where does a spider go? Toward a fly. Meanwhile, as the spider was crawling and going toward the fly, a wind came along and lifted that page from the book. The spider could no longer go to the fly. It turned around and crawled exactly as if it were turning around and no longer wants to go to the fly. Meanwhile, the page fell back in its place and again the spider wanted to go toward the fly. Again, the page lifted and did not permit it. Again, the spider turned back. Thus it happened several times. Afterwards, again, the spider went toward the fly and was crawling along until it had already gotten itself up with one foot on the page. Again the page lifted up, and the spider was already somewhat on the page. Then the page lay down completely, until the spider was left between one page and another, and it was crawling around there, but kept getting left deeper and deeper, until nothing whatsoever was left of it. And the fly... I will not tell you what happened to it. It says that on the page, that's just Nachman being whatever this is. Uh, I'm at 25 minutes on the recording, so it is time to flip the disc just about, and this is a perfect peculiar moment uh, uh, to transition on. So I'll see you on the other side of the transition. All right. So... It is 10.51 p.m. I've had a little more time than you to think over that last bit. So, well, unless you paused it uh, right now uh, or for whatever other reason. But uh, it is... If you were just reading this story without any explanation or for, uh, not warning, but, uh, understanding that this has all these underlying things, it would just seem like a peculiar little, uh, fairy tale style story with, uh, you know, the fly and the spider, uh, But like I said with the book, the king is looking in a book that's about the mannerisms. And, uh, like, he's kind of, to simplify it in a different way, 
as I understand it, he's looking in a book of stereotypes of, like, these are the ways people from other nations are. This is what they're like. Uh, And it says the Ishmaelites, the Turks, and also the Jews and all other nations. So then here, uh, the spider and the fly. And the fly, I will not tell you what happened to it. And the king had been watching all this and was very astonished. He understood that this is no empty thing, but rather he is being shown something through it. And all the ministers saw that the king is gazing and wondering at it. And the king was tripping balls. And the king began... Sorry, I couldn't resist. He's just sitting there staring at the fly and the spider. Anyway... (laughs) And the king began thinking, what does this signify? And he dozed off over the book. The king dreamed that he was holding a diamond in his hand and looking at it. And that's significant because jewels or gems, there's a significant Kabbalistic connection through that. And so when it talks about charms or precious stones uh, that would be Nachman doing something very clever so he dreamed that he was holding a diamond an exaggerated number of people okay the an exaggerated meaning like like this is actually a pink elephants thing I kind of said that as a joke but he goes into a dream where an exaggerated number of people were emerging from it, and he threw the diamond down out of his hand. And the usual way by kings is that over them hangs their portrait, and on top of the portrait hangs the crown. He saw in the dream how the people who had emerged from the diamond took the portrait and cut off its head. Then they took the crown and threw it into the mud, and... uh, that is quite a statement if uh, you're looking at crowns as well. Um, it's like so unbelievably clever. Uh, and this isn't in the style of it, uh, but Joseph has dreams and uh, Jacob as well with his ladder and... Uh, all that, or dreams are significant in Genesis amongst the books worth checking out if you are looking at, uh, if you are hypothetically reading this from a hotel motel and looking at the book out of curiosity. There's a lot of interesting stories in it, and it really is worth delving into. It's just, uh, you gotta you gotta get into the right parts of it. So I recommend flipping through it, honestly. Find something that catches your eye. You're not supposed to read it end to end that. Uh, Anyway, so they took the crown and threw it in the mud 
and they ran toward him to kill him. A page from the book upon which the king was lying lifted itself and shielded him, and they were unable to do anything to him, so they went away. Then the page returned to its place. Then again they wanted to kill him, and again the page lifted itself as before. Thus it happened several times. The king very much wanted to see what sort of page is shielding him, that is, protecting him, uh, and that is Nachman's favorite two words. Uh, I'm actually surprised we've gotten this far into the story without uh, that is parenthetical popping up. But uh, what mannerisms are written on it, from which nation it is? But he was afraid to look, and he began to uh, scream, Whoa, whoa. All the ministers who were sitting there heard, and they wanted to wake him up. However, this is no sort of protocol to wake up a king. They wrapped around him in order to wake him, but he did not hear. And that is a wonderful unintentional comedy there. So the ministers were there rapping around the king. Freestyle. Um, meanwhile, uh, and unintentionally, I kind of called this totally as a joke. This, this is, uh, uh, this dream is getting sort of tripped out. Meanwhile, a tall mountain came to him and asked him, Why are you screaming so? It is such a long time already that I sleep, and no one at all has woken me, and you have woken me up. He said to him, How shall I not scream when they are rising up over me and uh, want to kill me, except that this page is shielding me? The mountain answered him, If this page is shielding you, then you need have no fear of anything whatsoever, for many enemies rise against me as well, but this same page shields me. Come, I will show you. It showed him how around the mountain stood thousands and myriads of enemies, and they make feasts and rejoice, uh, playing musical instruments and dancing. And the joyful occasion is that some group of them, uh, sorry, enemies, um, just, uh, pardon me, just, uh, arranging things, uh, they, watercolors, um, thousands and myriads of enemies, and they make feasts and rejoice, playing musical instruments and dancing. And the joyful occasion is that some group from them, one of them thinks and arrives at some wisdom, uh, Chachma, as we've seen in another of the Nachman tales, some wisdom how to go up on the mountain, Hence they make a big celebration and a feast with music and dancing, and thus with each group, that is, faction, from among them, 
except that this page of these mannerisms that shields you shields me. And on the mountain's peak is a tablet. Um, and on it were written, and this is the where we came in moment. Uh, and on it were written the manner on the mountain's peak is a tablet. And on it were written the mannerisms of the page that shields him, from which nations it is. But since the mountain is high, one cannot read the writing. However, at the bottom was a tablet. There it was written that whoever had all his teeth, he can go up on the mountain. Hashem Yipparach provided that there grows such a grass there, uh where one needs to go up on the mountain, that whoever comes there, all his teeth fall out. Whether he was going by foot, riding, or driving a carriage by animals, always his teeth would fall out. Lying there were piles white with teeth like mountains. And the arrangement of that is interesting. Piles white with teeth. Totally stealing that. It's such a weird image. Or the way of describing it. Piles white with teeth. Um, like mountains. So, having read this before and found it puzzling, uh, now it's a different kind of bizarre because we can see it in the context of this uh, uh, kind of pink elephants uh, thing that the king has fallen into and uh, the question of whether he's the spider or the fly uh, in this with the way that this mirrors uh, what he was watching before he zoned out and went into the stream. So, later, the people from the diamond took the portrait and put it back together as previously, and they took the crown and washed it up, and they hung them back in their place. And the king woke up and immediately looked at the page that had shielded him. Which mannerism of which nation is it? He saw that written on it is the mannerisms of Jews, Hebrew, Yisrael, he began to look at the page honestly, and he understood the right truth, and he came to a decision that he himself would definitely be a Jew. However, what does one do to return the entire world back to the best state, Machzir Lemutav, to bring them all to the truth? He came to the... And uh, before I get to the decision he comes to... Obviously, this is unusually religious for a fairy tale with a clear, uh, you know, point and structure from a messianic orthodox uh, perspective. Uh, and that's part of what this parable and some of the other stories are about. So, uh, worth bearing in mind. 
to bring them all to the truth. He came to the decision that he would journey in search of a sage who would solve the dream according to its essence. That's uh, like Joseph in the, uh, especially in Genesis, that he was an interpreter of dreams. Uh, That is, that he should interpret the dream exactly as it is. And he took two men with him and traveled around the world, not as a king, but as a simple person. And he, and I wonder if that's Tom, uh, whether the word here, Tom was very important in uh, another story. We just went through the clever man and the simple man where simple is Tom and it means like innocent and uh, sort of candidish. Um, so not as a king, but as a simple person. And he traveled from one city to the next. And he asked, where does one find such a sage who can solve his dream according to its essence? Essence. They informed him that there and there uh, is found such a king, such a sage, excuse me. He went there and came to the sage and told him the truth, that he is a king and he had vanquished wars and the entire story that had happened is mentioned, and he asked him to solve his dream. The sage answered him, I myself cannot interpret. However, there is a time on this day and in this month Then I gather all the spices of the incense, that is, all the herbs from which they would make the incense, and this might be the holy anointing oil, I'm not sure, Uh, but there is a recipe given in Exodus and elsewhere, and uh, that is something I could sidebar on, but I just want to make the connection whether uh, this might be implicitly bringing anything else into the story. Um, And I make from them a compound. In other words, he mixes them all up together, and the person is smoked with the incense, which is a thing basically hotboxing a tent to uh, make people see visions or have... uh, uh, I am surprised and a little spooked that I called this with that joke, but one of the things in the incense is something along with the myrrh, and uh, which is an interesting essential oil, but there's something called cannabism, which some people have uh, postulated might have been uh, cannabis. Uh, and that is a sidebar. Uh, we're a few days early for, uh, that, it being April 14th. Uh, so basically, uh, the king and the sage, and maybe these two guys are closing themselves in a tent and lighting up this mixture of incense and myrrh also has uh, properties that are uh, 
that if you get myrrh and you uh, actually utilize it, uh, that stuff is in fact worth its weight in gold. Uh, so that person is smoked with the incense and this person thinks in himself uh, what he wants to see and know and then he knows everything and yes this is this is something to discuss elsewhere especially with Ezekiel but uh, it is very likely that psychotropic uh, uh, plant life were known to people in this time. If you haven't run across this or uh, any of the literature, but that some of the things that are described like angels or are called something, some class of visions uh, may very well in fact, be describing uh, something that came to Ezekiel after he was having some of those yummy mushrooms that grow down by the river in wherever it was he was enslaved, uh, that he had my first vision in my 30th year down by the river of something. Uh, this thing about... <laughs> Nachman is perfect for me and for this podcast uh, to... <sighs> in this quarantine, it's like it's just far enough removed from a bunch of things, but it's something... I've studied and enjoy and am really, really enjoying being able to uh, impart and hopefully uh, interest people, uh, whether or not you're familiar with Nachman already. Uh, I hope that there are some interesting things to be gained from these audiobooks. And before we get to what the king sees and knows, and then he knew knows everything, I want to mention about Ezekiel 1, uh, and the thing I'm not going to read verbatim, but where the sky opens up, and uh, there are rings within rings, is the, or like flaming circles surrounded by other circles, and it seems very obvious when you hear, when you know this, uh, and I say this never having tried uh, psilocybin mushrooms uh, as if that was, or some relation of that was found by Ezekiel uh, down by the river, that uh, what he's describing are is a strobing effect, is that thing where 
if you haven't had something that's had this experience, this thing, uh, you might see it in a cartoon or something where, but, uh, something kaleidoscopic of just, uh, rings within rings and all of the rings on fire is like one of those moments when the world is going, is really genuinely that noise is that is the moment that's I'm pretty sure that's where Ezekiel is coming from so uh for anyone who that's new to or wants to go check out the book of Ezekiel with that in mind enjoy uh if you notice anything of particular interests that uh, I also could bring on this program, hit me up, Twitter, at time of posting. I uh, would be interested to know people's takes on Ezekiel. Uh, but right now, we are back to the king, hotboxing with this uh, sage in a tent uh, with a mixture of, let's just say, myrrh, cinnamon, cannabisin, cassia, and uh, what do we have here? Olive oil, looks like. Uh, found the notation, or the, the thing. Um, so now he knows and knows everything. The king resolved... Since he has already, in fact, spent so much time on it, he would wait longer until that day and that month, which the sage had told him. The day came, and the sage did for him so. Excuse me. Hiccups or whatever. As described above, and smoked him with the incense. Because they didn't have pipes back then, but that's exactly what they're doing. (laughs) The king began to see even things that had happened to him before he was yet born, when the soul was still in the upper world. In other words, on the other world, uh, which I believe is Chachma Allah, although I'd need to look that one up. Uh... In other words, in the other worlds, how they led his soul through all the worlds, and they announced, whoever has something to say for the prosecution, that is, to speak evil against the soul, let him come. There was no one who found fault. If, uh, found fault. Meanwhile, someone did come and was running and shouting, Master of the world, hear my prayer. If this one should come upon the earth, what then have I to do any longer, and for what have you created me? And this, uh, and this fella has popped up in other of the Nachman tales. Uh, This was the Samech Mem. In other words, the one who was shouting was the Assam himself. And there is a note uh, for this, which is... Do not pronounce the name 
of the accusing angel and the angelic prince of Esau. So you can look that up. But uh, in the context of reading this, certainly, I'm only going to use uh, his initials, <laughs> the Samach Mem, uh, who was yelling earlier, had not come uh, yet. So they sent an emissary after him. Uh, he came and brought with him a little oldster, a hunched over one, with whom he was long familiar. That is, the accuser had uh, been acquainted with this old one from long ago. And he laughed and said, I have already given myself an advice. This soul can now go down on the earth. They released the soul, and it went down on the earth. And he, that is, the king, saw everything that happened to him from beginning to end, how he became king, the wars he had, etc. And he took captives, and among uh, the captives was a beautiful woman who had every kind of charm in the world. However, this charm was not from herself. Rather, she would hang a diamond upon herself, and the diamond had all kinds of charm. Of course, it did. And on account of that, it seemed she had all kinds of charms. Uh, and upon that mountain can no others ascend except the wise, the rich, etc. And more than this, he did not tell. And there is a great deal more in this. And he took ca- from and he took captives until the end was not written properly as he told it. And he took captives until the end. Huh. Okay. That's interesting because that would probably be Rabbi Nathan, the editor of, uh, and student, uh, of Nachman, I believe. He was the one who was doing the notes in, uh, one of the previous stories. But, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this one. Sorry I wasn't more definitive on the ending note right there, but you may notice that it's the same one as what happens to the fly, which is to say, uh, more than this he did not tell. So... That is a fine note to end on. I will only add that you can uh, find me on Twitter at time of posting. And I hope this finds you all well, safely quarantined. Uh, Be well and Zygazen.